If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We live in a retaliation culture. Uh, We're enticed by a warlike mentality uh, towards our enemies, towards people that are uh, opposed to us, and sometimes even just people who are different than us. that mentality goes to the point of wanting to destroy uh, those enemies uh, at whatever cost. When we have someone who's actively against us, we feel the, the urge to come out on top. And it's been this way since the fall. Uh, we can certainly, however, in our culture see Uh, a growing hostility uh, towards people who are are different, growing hostility between people uh, who have different uh, beliefs. Uh, It's certainly part of, and it just is ingrained in our culture. And so for us in the church, how are we to respond to that? God's Word today shows us what that looks like, and it shows us that it looks quite different than how the world responds. It shows us that it's quite different than how our own hearts want to respond uh, when we have been mistreated, when we uh, have an enemy. I've titled today's sermon, Supernatural Love, and I, I do want to acknowledge up front that this passage and the application of this passage is not easy. It's not easy for any one of us because it goes completely against our hearts and minds. Um, As we work through it, I do hope to kind of help provide some context for understanding this call to love our enemies uh, put some framework to help understand what, what God's Word is not calling us to, but still to truly challenge us in an area where our hearts do not want to respond this way. Uh, to, for each of us to say, okay, God, I, I need you to work. I need you to produce this in me. And so I, I just want to start with that. And we'll kind of work our way through this text in Luke 6. Uh, verse 27 through 36, but in the challenge, what we will see is is there is a purpose for what God has called us to, uh, what our Savior called us to in loving our enemies. And uh, in this, we can also be reminded of the kind of love that our Savior has had for us. I'm going to read the text, Luke 6, verse 27 through 36, and then I'm going to pray for us. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who ask you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And as we do each week, confess it to be true. And God, I pray for each of us today as we examine a text that challenges the very core of how we would respond in situations. I pray for you to work. I pray for you to open our ears, open our mind to to what it is that you have for us and why. Uh, And I pray that you produce in us what it is that you're calling us to. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we work our way through this text, I want us to just stay in the kind of thinking about this as supernatural love. This is the love that we are called to. And the first point that I want us to see is supernatural love is our calling. As a follower of Jesus Christ, supernatural love that we're going to see here, it is our calling. Let's look at verses 27 to 31 again. In Luke 6, Jesus speaking to his disciples, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. So this is part of the sermon that we started a few weeks ago before we got to our kind of Palm Sunday and our Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday passages. We started this sermon, and this is either uh, you know an identical uh, passage to the Sermon on the Mount, or it's at least a uh, a similar sermon that picks up on the the same themes from the Sermon on the Mount that we see in Matthew, because there's lots of lots of overlap in that passage. But we looked at the beginning of that with like the Beatitudes uh, and the kind of the woes that are given out to those who may have all the blessings in the world, but don't have Jesus. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. Here, he continues on with a challenging word uh, for his followers, and it's still challenging for us today. He calls us to this radical type of love, a supernatural type of love that is completely opposed to how our hearts would think to respond. Love your enemies. Do good to the people who do harm to you. Do good to people who hate you. That's not the natural response that we would come up with 
in our own hearts and minds and bodies to love someone who is actively against us, uh, who hates us, the idea of loving them even though they hate us, in the midst of their hate for us, our hearts don't naturally go there. It truly is a call for something supernatural to take place in us and through us. The word for love here is agape, right? There are multiple types of, of words for, uh, for love in Greek. Agape love is self-sacrificial love. It's unconditional love. It's the kind of love that God has for us. So it's not romantic love. Uh, it's not like relational love between friends and brothers and stuff like that. It's the kind of love that God has demonstrated to us. It goes on in verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who have mistreated you. And again, it's not natural for us. That's not how we would respond. It's not how the world would respond. Verse 29 uh, the examples here are, are given are really hard to consider. Uh, but I do want us to be cautious with how we look at these verses in 29. And I want us to, to consider what God's Word is not saying to us also, while still recognizing there is a, a supernatural call to how we should respond. But verse 29 goes on to say, If anyone hits you on the cheek... Offer the other also. If anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you from someone who takes your things. Don't ask for them back. In these verses, I think the context is important for us to understand. Remember, he's speaking to his disciples, early followers who have have come alongside of Jesus Christ and said, like, we recognize there's something about this man about his teaching, about his ministry, about the miraculous things that he's doing and the things that he's saying about himself. He's saying he really is the promised one. And so he's speaking to his disciples, and I think the context for the abuse that's given here is abuse that would be received because you are a disciple of Jesus. Under no circumstance is God saying if you're in abuse in an abusive situation that you should just endure it and put up with abuse from uh, someone who may be supposed to be a loved one? Uh, God is not saying it's it's just it's okay. God's word is not commending uh, that you should just endure abuse from another person. The context is saying if you're going to be a follower of me. There will be those who hate you because they hate me. And there will be those who may mistreat you because of your alliance, your allegiance to me. And if that's the case, then you should receive that. You should not fight back in those circumstances. So the hit on the cheek was a very specific hit that was meant as an insult. Early Christians, there are 
records of early Christians, and we even see in, in Acts that this was kind of common, as an insult for someone who had aligned themselves with Jesus Christ. The synagogues, when they would find out that someone was a follower of Christ, a follower of the way, sometimes they would throw them out and say, you are not welcome here anymore because you're following this false teacher. You chose to follow a false teacher and their insult to them and demonstration to the rest of the people of the synagogue was to slap them across the face to say, this person is not part of us anymore. So this is not talking about you just being abused. Uh, this is receiving an insult for being connected to Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, if that happens, you take the insult. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to fight back, even though the inside you want to fight back. You can endure it. And it's worth enduring because of your connection to me. And the same, same goes on for if someone takes your things, it's not saying that Christians should just walk around and let people steal from us all the time. It's saying if someone is stealing your goods because you're a follower of Christ, which does happen in parts of this world still today, it's not our common experience, but it still happens in lots of persecuted areas. And Jesus says, if you are enduring someone stealing your property because you're a believer, don't fight for it back. Don't demand to receive it back. Just accept this. Verse 30, he goes on to talk about that love that he's calling us to is also a compassionate love. When, when someone has a need and they demand something from you, Give that. Show compassion to them. Show care to them. Don't give to them expecting, well then, I want to get something back from you. God, the love that God is calling us to is not a reciprocal type of love where you give something to me and then I'll give something to you. Or if I'm giving something to you, I expect it back in return. Right? That's not the kind of love that we are called to. And verse 31 goes into what we often hear referred to as the golden rule. Right? Uh, even if your enemy is harming you because you're a follower of Christ, even if you are being mistreated because you are a follower of Christ, Jesus says, Treat that individual like you would want them to be treating you. Right? Our, our heart inclination is to respond in how we've been treated. You hit me, I'll hit you back. And oftentimes in our culture, it's, I'm going to hit you back and make you feel my wrath. You'll receive ten times. Right? That was actually pagan beliefs for long, long time was if there is an injustice that is done, then you pay the offender back ten times what they have done to you. And Jesus is saying, we don't have to respond that way. You, as a follower of me, you don't have to respond that way. Instead, treat them exactly how you would want them to be treating you, even though they're actively against you. 
love them. Choose to love them. Choose to actively do something good for those individuals. Pray for them, even if they're cursing you. Paul goes further into the kind of this kind of context and, and fleshes out more saying, like, we want to remember that God sees and God knows. And so we can respond this way to our enemies because God sees and because God knows. In Romans 12, verse 17 through 21, we see this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for in so doing you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Paul challenging followers of Christ and saying, leave it up to God. We can trust that God sees. God knows what you're enduring and you do not have to fight back for yourself. You can do good to those who have chosen to be your enemies. That verse that he's quoting there that says you'll be heaping fiery coals on your head, that section comes from Proverbs. Uh, and the, the context is referencing it, when you are good to someone who is your enemy, it produces in them a desire to repent. It produces in them the desire to turn. Now, we don't have the promise of what will happen. All we have is the call that this is what God wants you to do. And he does have a purpose for it. And Paul here says, God will use it. God sees and he will take care of the situation. Right? So as a follower of Christ, we can trust God in the circumstance and we can trust that he will make things right. But it is a supernatural love. It is something that is not common to us. The second point I want us to see here is supernatural love looks different than the world's love. Right? The, the kind of love that God is calling us to, the kind of love that Jesus Christ is commanding of his followers here, it looks different than the world. Back in Luke 6, verse 32 through 34. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who, do, who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. So here we see this supernatural 
love that Jesus is calling us to is not how the world typically would respond. It's not how the world loves, right? The, the world loves with that reciprocal type of love. The world loves with, you've done this to me, then I will do this to you. You scratched my back, I'll scratch yours. And if I do the same, I want an exchange, right? We're, we're going to both benefit from this relationship, That's how the world treats people, right? And really, that's not love at all because it's self-serving. If the purpose of you doing good for someone or praying for someone or helping someone in need is to get something in return, you're really doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for them. The sinful, fallen world only does good to people that will do good to them. They do good hoping to receive in return. And in each of these points that Jesus states, he makes the point of, that's how the sinners love. That's how the sinners respond in situations like that. And so there's no reward in that if all you're doing is loving and doing good and being generous just like the rest of the world. Don't, don't expect a reward for acting like everyone else acts. Having the same kind of love that the world has does not set us apart from the lost world. And it also doesn't give a message to the lost world. And that's what we're going to look at here is is that there's a purpose in this kind of call to love. There's a, a purpose that can be fulfilled if we will love in this supernatural kind of love because it points people people to an even greater love. It points people to God's love for us and for them. And so that takes us to the third point. Supernatural love points people to the gospel. Supernatural love points people to the gospel. Verses 35 and 36. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. So we get in verse 35 a summary again of what Jesus is calling his followers to. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Be generous to them. And then he says, there will be a great reward for that. There's no reward for treating people like everyone else in the lost world does. But when you love this way, there is a great reward. Now, we don't know the full extent. It doesn't go into explaining exactly what that reward is. We know Scripture speaks of eternal rewards. I think also with the, the way that that verse ends, it's also pointing out there is a reward in being known that you're a child of God. There is a reward in knowing God is my Father. Father. 
Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. Now, it's not saying that this is how you earn your salvation, or this is how you become a child of God, as long as you love a certain kind of way, right? We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, so when it says you will be a child of the Most High, it's, it's really pointing out what he's saying is you're going to be like your heavenly Father. If you would love this way, that's how God loves. That's how God has loved you. That's how, how God loves even your enemies. He sacrificed His Son in their place. He gave up. It cost him. It wasn't motivated for what he would get out of this. And so you really demonstrate that you're a child of God. I don't know how many of you parents have children that, uh, even if they're really young, sometimes they've already taken on characteristics that you have, right? Uh, Sometimes those are really cute things. Sometimes those may be really bad things that you're like, oh, I wish they hadn't have learned that from me. Uh, I've had those moments. Uh, but even just like the other day, Sarah Grace took a picture. I don't remember where it was, but uh, me and some of our kids were standing and doing something together. And one of my children standing beside me and we were standing exactly the same. Like we looked exactly identical. He's just like a little mini version of me. He just picked it up. Like this is how you stand. Uh, I didn't intend to teach him that. But uh, children look like their parents. Children pick up, you know, characteristics of their parents. And Jesus says, if you love this way, it's a demonstration that you really are God's son. You really are God's daughter because you look just like him. You love just like him. And then verse 36, he goes on and says, be merciful. Extend mercy to these people because that's what God does. He doesn't pay people back for what they deserve He extends mercy, and so you can extend mercy where someone has harmed you, where someone is against you. You don't have to pay them back with what you want them to receive. You can be merciful to them. When we love like God loves, it sets us apart from the world because that's not the natural response. But it allows us to point people to God's love. It allows us to, when someone says, how could you treat someone like that after they did this to you? To say, let me tell you about my God. It allows us to point to the love of our Savior. You know, we talked at Good Friday about all the things that Jesus endured He endured these things for his enemies, which we were once a part of. And how did he respond when he was hit? He did not defend himself. When his enemies were mocking him on the cross before he dies, what does he do for them? He prays for them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Jesus endured all of the abuse and punishment. And He was the one person that deserved to defend Himself more than anyone else. And He endured it all. He demonstrated God-like love so that enemies could be turned into sons and daughters of God. Enemies could be forgiven and given mercy when they didn't deserve it. Paul encourages us to live this way. In Ephesians chapter 5, we read these words. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave Himself for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Be imitators of God. Love like God. Walk in love. Just like Jesus did throughout His life, throughout His ministry, all the way to the cross. Love that way. Self-sacrificing love. For the good of another. And you might be thinking, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can love someone like this. I don't think I could respond to an enemy like this. It's impossible. And the reality is, on your own, you're 100% correct. We could never love this way on our own. It's not natural. But there's really good news, church. We aren't left on our own. We have the Spirit of God indwelling us. We have the Spirit of God working in us. Romans 5, verse 5. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The very love of God has been poured into us. We have the Spirit of God in us if we are followers of Jesus. And what does the Spirit of God produce in us? Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As the Spirit of God produces these things, allows us the ability to actually live this way. We can't do it on our own, but we aren't on our own, church. We have the Spirit working in us. Corrie ten Boom, many of you have probably heard stories about her. Her family was put in concentration camps because they hid Jews in their house during uh, the Holocaust. And when that was found out, their family was put in uh, one of the concentration camps. Many of her family, most of her family that were put in the camps died. She survived uh, while she was there, she held Bible studies. Uh, she taught people about Jesus. 
And then after the concentration camps were liberated, she went on to have a lifelong ministry and she would teach and tell people her story and talk about her experiences. And one night she was at a church and as she spoke, she saw the first guard that she met in the crowd. The one that uh, she and her family first experienced. And she knew without a doubt, this is the man. He came up to her after the service. And she cringed. She felt all of the anger, all of the pain, all of the things that had happened to her and her family. And he smiled and he said, your message was such an encouragement to me to think that it's true that my sins have been washed away because of Jesus. And he reached out his hand to shake her hand and she said, I knew how I needed to respond. And I couldn't budge. I couldn't move my hands, no matter how hard I tried. And I prayed, God help me. And she tried again, and she said, and I could not move an inch towards this man because of the pain and the harm that I felt. And I thought, how could I treat him this way? Jesus Christ has died for him, and I don't want to, like, I want to demand something more. And so she finally prayed, I can't forgive him, Jesus. So I need your forgiveness to make this happen. And she immediately was able to reach out her hand, and she said, As I shook his hand, I felt as if a current was passing between us, and I finally realized. That it's not that God calls us to this and leaves us on our own. She says, when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. God is the one that can make it possible for us to love in this way. Even though inside of us it's not possible to respond this way on our own. But with the Spirit of God, we truly can reach out to others who have harmed us. We truly can love this way. That's how God loved us. We were His enemies. Jesus' life and ministry were a perfect example, a perfect demonstration of the self-sacrificial love of God. It's the proof that God loves us. And He's called us to do the same. And church, I know that seems impossible. So let's ask the Holy Spirit. I need you. I need you to work in me. I need you to produce this kind of love that's not natural. I can't do it on my own. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, to keep shaping us into the image of Jesus because that's what He desires to do. That's what He's doing in our lives is making us look more like Jesus and in this case, making us love more like Jesus. Let's pray for that now. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank you for 
the costly love that you have demonstrated to us who were once your enemies. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. And Holy Spirit, we pray now that you will work in us. We pray now that you will shape us more into the image of Jesus so that when the lost world sees how we respond, we can point them to the love of Jesus. So that we can point them to the forgiveness that is available through Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.